is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. It's free throws because they offer you Joshua Fisher, Alexander Tossman, the Rockstopolis, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Quieter, and the man. Behind the Savannah Bananas in the yellow tuxedo, Jesse Cole joining us today. How are you, man? Fired up to be with you guys. We are fired up to have you. I mean, it's really remarkable. We knew who you were. We knew what the Savannah Bananas were about. TikTok kind of took it by storm. And then you guys just kept rolling with it. And obviously, we want to know the origin and all that. But my big question to you is, do you think that you lit a fire under Rob Manfred's ass? <laughs> that's not something I think about, but I, I, I appreciate you thinking like that. Anything that we can do that can be good for the game, I'm all in. But I mean, it's just, I, I'm personally just obsessed with creating a better fan experience on every single detail, every minute of the game, every second of the game to make it better for the fans. And if that can help spread to uh, throughout baseball, that's outstanding. Mm -hmm. absolutely i mean you have so many rules personal favorite is the no bunting because bunting sucks and not it's not even an out you're just ejected <laughs> from the game you gotta go and yeah yeah baseball purists don't love that one but you know hey swing the bat when you come up to play in banana ball <laughs> absolutely uh how did it start man where did the idea come from i know you're you love baseball and you want to make the game better but at what point maybe even did you know this thing could really take off you know, I, I still don't think, you know, we've arrived. We're still becoming sure. every day. You know, we're, to me, we're in the first inning and we're going to be in the first inning for many, many years. So, you know, for me, I was a baseball guy. You know, my, my father was a part owner of a baseball facility. I played all the time, was fortunate to get a, a college scholarship to play a division one baseball. And I loved playing, man. I had an opportunity, started getting letters from professional teams. And I was like, this is going to be my dream. I'm going to play professional baseball. And then I tore my shoulder, everything, you know, literally labrum, the rotator cuff, just done like that. And I started watching baseball. I was like, man, this is boring. I go, I love playing the game, but watching the game is just not the same. And I said, well, what if we made it more fun for the casual fan? And so, yeah, I started as a, a GM of a tiny, small, little college summer team in Gastonia, North Carolina, ran that for 10 years, learned a lot. Grandma beauty pageants, flatulence, fun nights, salute to underwear nights, dig to China nights. <laughs> we tried it all over there. And I learned that people started to want more fun than they did just the actual baseball. And that's when my wife and I took the biggest uh, risk and went into seven figures debt and bought an expansion baseball team in Savannah, Georgia, and only sold a handful of tickets, had to sell our house, empty out our savings account, or sleeping on an airbed. And that was just seven years ago. And so at that point, we had to do something even bigger. And that's really where the bananas were launched. And that's where changing the game and really taking it to another level, uh, you know, that's where we are now. Is there a team of people that come up with all these quirky ideas or is it, is it just, are you the brainchild or like, how does the uh, process work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a team. I think I, I more than anything give permission for, to our team and everyone, players, coaches, creative team, marketing to come up with ideas of things that have never happened before in a baseball field. You know, I've been truly inspired. I've read every book on PT Barnum, Walt Disney. I've studied Circus Soleil, studied Blue Man Group, SNL, WWE. I studied yeah, everything actual conventional baseball because we're not in the baseball business, we're in the entertainment business. And so by studying all this, I said, you know what? Ideas are the most valuable thing we have. You know, Walt Disney said this, he said, money doesn't excite me, my ideas excite me. So I started in like 2017, 2018, writing down 10 ideas every single day. And I haven't missed a day, fellas. I literally 
thousands of terrible ideas. So I started becoming thinking about ideas of things we could do at a baseball game and for our fans. And then we started building this idea culture with our team. You know, our director of entertainment, Zach, and director of marketing, Kara, and director of creative, Yvonne. And we all get together uh, in Savannah, who helps run our TikTok. We all get together every week. We had one this morning, our OTT sessions, and talk about, you know, what are those over-the-top ideas that people have never seen before in a baseball field? And then we just literally rehearse them script them, put them in play, and then do new ones every single night at the ballpark. It was That's almost epic. mandated. Yeah, it's amazing. It was almost mandated that you had someone on your team named Savannah. Like, yeah, it, it would have been weird if you, did, if you didn't have someone on the team yeah, named Savannah. Well, yeah. well, she started as an intern with us at 20 oh, years great. old. And That's we had amazing. 200, we had 280 followers on TikTok, and now we're over 5 million. So she started leading that, and it's taken a whole nother level. Well, you have more than some combined some teams combined like i'm sure you have more than the al west combined realistically <laughs> like if you throw the a's the mariners and like on tiktok and the rangers Honestly, maybe rangers, just the al maybe just the AL, <laughs> al but that's like it was so interesting i was reading up on you know on your bio and reading up on like things you've discussed and like the average viewer i didn't even realize this we're all baseball fans like the average viewer is like in the 60s yep. and the average content consumer is not so it's the eyeballs you're competing with. And I was going to ask you, like, how much did you study a guy like Vince McMahon, a guy like, you know, Walt Disney, and how important was it to incorporate yourself into this? Oh, 100%. I mean, Walt, Walt the most because there's, there's more actually out there. You know, Vince McMahon's pretty secretive on what he's done. You know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, and, you know, and I've listened to Stephanie. Stephanie's been very vocal. But, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing I'm trying to do is, and, and this sounds crazy, but when I first started, just create something that I would love. You know, George Lucas, when he created Star Wars, he said, I want to create a movie that he would love. And if you create something that you would love, that you would never get bored with. I mean, guys, I've been doing this for now 16, 17 years. I've seen wow. hundreds, hundreds of baseball games. Every game, I'm literally on the field, in the crowd, throwing out Dolce & Banana underwear, singing with the fans, <laughs> dancing with the fans. Oh, yeah, we have Dolce & Banana underwear. Uh, it's crazy how people buy that, but that's a whole other story. But I would, the reality, uh, It's not crazy. It's underwear, yeah. dude. I, <laughs> we all need it. <laughs> but the point is, every single night, I don't want to get bored. I mean, we just played the Major League Alumni, as you mentioned before this, and an hour and 34-minute game. Don't blink. You're going to miss something. And I, I, I loved it. I, I didn't want to I didn't want to literally leave where I was sitting. I don't want to watch all of it. And so I think that's what we're trying to create with fans is, is create something that we would love, that we've seen hundreds of games, that the casual fan will come in and their mind will be blown. I think yeah. it's, it's really interesting when you think about other – major sports you know we talk about it all the time just amongst ourselves like a lot of times we'd rather sit on the couch and watch an nfl game than actually be there and for mm -hmm. y'all to on the digital side to to have so much success with the TikTok and the short form content and these little these bits right these players essentially they're doing like little vignettes that are like really hilarious and really entertaining but the fans get the great experience live as well and i think that's like a huge the biggest challenge with baseball is People don't want to sit on the couch and watch a four-hour baseball game. You know, that's why they've come up with this new rule in the MLB to speed things up. And obviously, like, there's some major just, like, kinks, right, that are, that are happening sure. because of that. But I think you're just, like, you know, you saying it's an hour-and-a-half-long game. Like, that right there is exactly what baseball needs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are well, some... it, it's the combination of speed. I'll jump on this. Yeah. It's also, you know, Major League Baseball, they're, they're spring training. They're, they're playing games 30 minutes faster. I mean, they're, they're going to be in that 239, which is, which is pretty fast compared to what they've been. God. But it's not just the speed. It's literally the celebrating, the fun, 
yeah. the, 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 the things that happen that you haven't seen before. I mean, you know, our players, our center fielder does backflips when he catches the ball. Like literally he can do a full backflip while catching the ball. Our shortstop can kick the ball off his foot, then catch it behind his back and throw guys out. We're doing six to eight tricks every single game. And then those are things. And then when they score a run, they're running through the crowd, high-fiving all the fans. Imagine if Mike Trout and Otani run through the crowd, high-fiving fans after they score a run. Yeah. It, it, there's so much more in the entertainment. It's not just the speed. You have to combine the speed with the fun, the celebrating the entertainment. And that's what I believe the fans deserve. Well, yeah. For all these guys who do all these crazy things, what's what's the audition process, yeah. tryout process <laughs> like for a player to, to be on the Savannah Bananas? I Because I have a weak arm, but I'm entertaining as hell, man. Well, hey, there, you could have a spot on an entertainment roster. This, this is actually interesting. So we put we do tryouts, but we put in there, what are your special talents? What would be your hitting entrances? What would be your pitching entrances? What else can you bring to the table? And then they got to send a video cover letter. So we got to see them either try some of these things. And, you know, that's where we learned about the trick pitcher, Matt, Matt Wolf, who can throw strikes between his legs and do cartwheel pitches. And it's crazy. You know, uh, it was interesting. Our first year, we did our one city world tour, our first year touring a couple of years ago touring one city world tour Hilarious. and we had <laughs> we had tryouts and we had about you know 50 60 guys and we're trying to get a roster between two teams about 40 so your your odds were pretty strong and there were some good ball players i mean literally there was a first round draft pick who's still with us top baseball players and then there were some guys that just weren't baseball talented enough and this one guy who was you know played high school ball but never much above that he comes to me and he goes uh you know i brought my stilts do you want me to get on stilts and i said yeah, stilts are cool, but can you hit on stilts? And he goes, I've never done that. I go, well, let's try. And so he puts on the puts on the stilts, gets in the batter's box, and starts hitting the ball in stilts. And I remember I talked with our coaches afterwards, and they, they brought it in. And they're like, he can't play at this level. I go, he's hitting on stilts. <laughs> and they go, he can't play at this level. I go, guys, you got to find a way. And our coach tells it all the time. He goes, I walked out. And I walked back in about 10 minutes later. I walked out. And I said, did you find a way? They're like, we just can't find a way. I go, here's then fine. Well, have an entertainment spot on the roster. I'm adding a spot for him. And so Dakota stilts all and we added a spot for him. <laughs> and now literally that year he went viral. He's now pitching on stilts, getting outs, throwing sliders from 10 feet up in the air. We're getting him a giant first baseman mitt. So he's going to play first base. He's actually excelling now because he's throwing from this level up here. And people can't get, you know, it's it's unbelievable. And so we find spots. We'll create spots if people are doing something that's never happened before in a baseball field. That's crazy. I mean, it's still, yeah, they, it's one, but it is. Talk about you, playing on a different level, right? Like literally. Yeah, if you think of your viral moments, though, there has to be one of the top three or four. Obviously, the TikTok dances is, 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 and the entrances, but that is in the realm of something that's never been seen before. And like, again, we bring up WWE, they're always yep. chasing. And I remember when I was a kid, like watching them and all the stuff that they would bring to the table. Oh, that's a new event. That's a new yeah. event. You know, have you uh, new a superstar? Yeah. Is it, has it gotten harder in some respects? Oh, yeah. Cause you've like thrown a lot out there over the last few years to really get people going on your train. Oh, and that's what fires me up every day. It's harder. And, and that's, I mean, literally today we were talking about uh, ships because MLB eliminated ships. So part of our OTT session was uh, the ships. And so we talked about uh, the Great Wall of China, setting that up as, a, as a, a straight line of players right behind the pitcher. We talked about uh, the uh, the tornado shift. We talked about a shift where literally all the guys are getting ready to throw a pitch and you don't know where the pitch is coming from. And so like, <laughs> I love thinking of those things. It excites me and it fires up. So I think you have to work your idea muscle. 
And so because we're working it constantly, we have to push to the next thing. I mean, I'm very intrigued about animals. You know, most of these stadiums are turning us down, but, you know, I, I wanted a cow to come out from the center field wall and just, you know, graze in the outfield for a couple innings while we're playing ball around a cow. Like those things excite me, a pitcher riding a bull in from the bullpen. Like that makes sense. Why wouldn't we have a, a ball monkey, a monkey deliver baseballs to the umpire and climb up him and deliver the baseballs. I'm working on that one too. So like these ideas fire me up. A contortionist. Why isn't a contortionist coaching first or coming up to bat? You know, those are the things that I think about um, that you've never seen before. So it just takes time. <laughs> you, guys, <laughs> you guys must have a rock star legal team for all this. Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> <laughs> it was either they totally have like a, like a sea of legal people or like they're just free ball on it. It's uh, we, we, we just go with the flow, man. We, we, I mean, we literally lit our pitcher on fire uh, to open the tour. So we did the bat on fire that went viral last year. But literally, we found a way to get a ball on fire. But you have to literally you have to light the pitcher's hand on fire while he's holding the ball. You can mm. see the pitcher. So he's pitching with his hand on fire. It was crazy. I think every legal person would say, an HR person would say, no, luckily we just did it. <laughs> it's so relatable though, like in a weird way, because again, like the tickets are like $25, right? No fees, no no additives. It It's so inviting where, you know, you go, you bring up Otani and Trout. These guys are just marvels of the game. Like their their abilities and their capabilities. No one can do that. Yeah. No, they're probably the two people on the planet that no one can do really what they can do. Yet it's a little removed. Like you go to watch them and you go, okay, I'm seeing, I'm going to see something I haven't seen before. But by the fourth or fifth inning, you've seen it, you know? So it's definitely. And, it, well, and for a casual fan who hasn't been in the minors or played at a very high level in yeah. college, like. It, it's harder for them to understand how impressive that actually is. Sure. Like that's like you have to, yeah, to understand how hard it is to hit a hundred yeah. mile per hour ball that's moving. But like you're saying, you could see Otani hit a home run twice in a game and then you see it happen again in a week. But if you go to a Savannah Bananas game, you're seeing a guy let his hand on fire once. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're, see, you're seeing our third baseman, you know, catch a ball literally behind his back. I mean, our, our, our center fielder for the party animals, he caught a ball like this, like the tricks like Ichiro did, where he literally puts his hand behind his back as the ball's catching. I mean, that's stuff like very hard to do, but that's what they rehearse for hours, hours every day. They're mm -hmm. practicing things other people aren't practicing, so they're able to do it. And they're able to, they fail. They'll miss, you know, one out of two. But when they make it, it's pretty special. Mm -hmm. How reactionary are things within the game? I know you. I know you're in the crowd. I know obviously things have to be planned out. You can't just come out and you know, okay, beside willy nilly mid inning to light the guy's hand on fire. But how reactionary are you guys sometimes? Because if you compare it to like the Harlem Globetrotters, it's much in my at least in my opinion easier to control the movement of a basketball. There's oh. only five guys in the court. People don't realize like when we get compared to the Globetrotters. I know they say it as a compliment, but the reality sure. is we we are dramatically different than the Globetrotters. Yeah. So like the first thing is like. We've played nine games on this tour. The Bananas have lost five of them. They've won four. So let's put that in perspective. The party right, the generals lost every single time. Yeah. hundred percent. The party animals, I mean, beat the Bananas more than the Bananas are winning right now. Um, next, we travel with 120 to 130 people on, on, on tour. Our full pep band, our male cheerleading team, the Bananas, our breakdancing coaches, you know, literally our players on stilts, our trick pitchers, both teams, our hosts, our DJs. We bring the whole cast. The Globe to travel with 20 to 30 people. So it's a much bigger venture that we're doing. So, yeah, you can't control the game. What we do is we focus on 
five to 10 OTT moments a game. So those are the hit special hitting entrances. Those are the celebrations when they score a run. You've probably seen they score a run. They break into sometimes like the single ladies dance and they're doing crazy celebrations when they score. Uh, the three two two dance, the third inning, second batter, second pitch. They do a full choreographed dance into a pitch. So we'll choreograph like some of those. But the rest of the game, like the party animals, the other game, someone got hit on the party animals. Breland Almodova, he got hit and he went down on the ground. And all of a sudden his whole team came and picked him up and carried him all the way to first. It's all it, improv. Was, it was, it was improv. It was, I mean, and last night that their, their third base coach is coaching third. The whole team came out to coach third and did every movement he did. So they'd be down like this. They'd be given the sign. So you have 20 people coaching third in the middle of the game. That's mm-hmm. improv. It's fun. We be- I become a fan when I'm watching those moments. I'm like, that's good. That's good. That's good stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's like, there's no laws. Right. So there, you bring up improv, like the improv, like there's no really, you could do whatever you want in that sense, as long as like, you know, everyone's safe and not getting hurt. Right. Yeah. I think Alan Kay said the best way to predict the future is to create it yourself. And so, you know, we've created our own league of our own and with no rules, you know, myself and my wife own the team. We have no investors, no other partners, no board of directors. If we think it's cool, we think it's fun. If our team thinks it's cool, we think it's fun. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're unapologetic about that. I mean, we are fans first, entertain always. We are going to entertain nonstop. That's what yeah. we're going to do. And so <laughs> we make baseball fun. If, if you want traditional baseball game, we're not for you. And we're okay with that. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. And I don't know if you can disclose any of this information at all, but is there a goal for you guys to get like a TV syndication or get on a channel or anything like that? <laughs> I thought you were going another route. Um, and I will actually answer that and answer where I thought you were going to go. Oh, um, so, <laughs> Uh, and we're good. TV, you mean like uh, with like a, a yeah, give like a deal. Yeah. 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 yeah, a broadcast deal. Yeah, uh, we've been fortunate. We've got, I mean, we have, we always had games on ESPN. We've, we had a TV series with ESPN and we, we continue to get reached out to by different opportunities, but we don't want to black out our fans. We don't want to turn away our fans. We want to make sure our fans, it's the best interest for them. We're playing the long game. And so what that long game entails is not just playing exhibition <laughs> games. You know, the thing that kills me about our Wikipedia is it calls us an exhibition team. That kills me. Like, that that beats me up in my head. So um, we will build the league, and it's going to be pretty special. And it's going to be a banana ball league where literally the speed, the entertainment, but there's also stakes. And so if people just look, you know, everyone says, like, you know, uh, you ever seen Queen's Gambit? You know, she focused on it's not just the next chess move. It's seeing the whole chess board. Right. Mm. Look at what we're doing. If you look at every individual move just for an individual move, you're not going to see anything. But if you zoom out and say, huh, they're playing 22 games against challenger teams, other professional teams. They have, you know, they're playing all these games playing against other professional teams to see how banana ball translates. There's a reason for that. We're not just building two teams playing a same show, same game all over the country. So as we're building something to what the way we see it is, it's like UFC to boxing. Boxing's great. It's still some of the best boxers in the world. MLB is going to be the best baseball players in the world. We're just a little different. We're more like UFC, and that's what we're building with Banana Ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great comp. I mean, from the boxing is there's no jurisdiction in a in a bad way. There's no league. There's just and no rhyme or reason. Anybody could fight whoever they want at any time, and if they don't want to fight, they don't have to. Where UFC well, yeah. is. You, yeah, more controlled. No, I'm just saying UFC is a more controlled substance of like, you know, Dana White kind of runs the show and it works. It, it, UFC is the younger audience. Boxing is the traditional. My dad would watch Marvelous Marvin Hagler and watch, you know, all those old fights, Sugar Ray Leonard. And, and he used to love watching those fights and they were great fights. 
but then boxing didn't really transform. It didn't, didn't evolve. It didn't reimagine the sport, kept doing the same thing. And then all of a sudden this UFC in three rounds, action packed every second, you can't miss, you can't blink. You're going to miss something. And all of a sudden it can you know, it, it captured the hearts of, you know, young people all over the world. And I, I'm not saying I don't ever want to be that boastful and say, we're going to be like the UFC, but I think it's the same mindset. You know, we have young fans all over the world that are watching banana ball and that are falling in love with our players and our characters. And, you know, I think that's, that's what we're trying to build is something where you really get to know the people behind what we're building. It's not just Trout, Otani and Harper, great baseball players. It's also people that are entertainers that are performers that you get to see them behind the scenes and get to know them. That's what we're trying to build. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and we bring up Dana White and in the, the possibility of an expansion while we're discussing this, do you in that, you know, grand chessboard vision see yourself almost, you know, not doning the yellow suit tux, tux as much and kind of moving up to like a Dana White level overseeing these teams and having maybe someone, you know, jump in for the Savannah Bananas and have a Savannah, like a U for the Savannah Bananas for several other teams? Or are we not? That was that third inning. Are we not there yet? Uh, we're not there yet. This is me. You know, yeah. at some point, my wife will probably ask me to uh, take off the yellow tux. I think, uh, you know, she's probably seen enough of it since I proposed to her. She's eight years ago in this in front of a sold out crowd. But uh, the reality, <laughs> this is me. Um, you know, I, um, I'm a showman. Uh, I believe in giving permission to our team to have fun. And so if, if I'm dressed like this, I'm not in an owner's box. I'm running around and having fun. I think there that's part of what I'm trying to build here with our team, that we're all in on this together to create fans. So, yeah, I mean, I think there'll be more people involved in the league and, and obviously the other teams. But, you know, I think we want to make a fans first league. Every decision we make is at fans first. Nothing we will make is based on money. And I think that's going to be the difference. We're interested in, in creating a billion fans, not being a billion dollar league or a billion dollar brand. And when you change that mindset, you work on a billion fans, a lot of your decisions are dramatically different than some of the other potential sports properties that it is financially based, which I get. I understand they have investors. They have to bring back shareholder value for us. Hey, we just want to create fans. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the downside sometimes about these professional sports leagues like MLB and NFL is they're at the mercy of the owners, right? Who really only care about the money. You know, some of them, they could say they care about the fans because like they were a fan first, but that's when you get things kind of, you know, shit gets kind of weird, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, absolutely. it's a investment. And I'm a, I, I think there's some brilliant owners of all sports out there. And I think, sure. I think a majority of them aren't there for the money. I think a majority of them are there because they love the sport. They love the team there. But I do think that when there's so many people involved in you know, what's right. You know, you have the players union, you have the commissioner, you have the league office, you have the owners, you have the fans, you have so many people that are part of it. For us, it's like, it's our fans and it's our people. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you get to, you get to define your own history too. Like that has so much implications into like how leagues change and how they move or how they don't change. And I think that's really, really cool. Wasn't the team when y'all bought it, it was called, they were the sand Nats. Is that well, they left. They left town. Okay. We actually started an expansion team. So there was like 90 years of minor league baseball here, but they never could draw fans. And so we came in as an expansion team. And yeah, we showed up in the former team, cut the phone lines, cut the internet lines. They would take, they took everything out of the ballpark. So we, we found an abandoned storage building, grabbed a picnic table from on the park. And it was me, my wife, our 24-year-old president, three 22-year-olds. And we just started set up shop, used our cell phones, tried to get meetings. Everyone said no. <sighs> That's how we started seven years ago. Godly, wow. I mean, what's the day to day like for you? I mean, how how like you know structured is it, or is every day kind of similar? What's your nerves like before a game day? Because like you again, like you say, you have to perform. Is there still some level of like butterflies, or are you kind of seasoned a bit? 
Yeah, I don't get nervous a- a- anymore. I mean, this is my home. Being in front of fans is what I'm used to. It's about getting your reps in. But my day-to-day is 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 very different. You know, I look at what gives me energy. I think so many people, their day-to-days are impacted by other people's priorities. I try to make sure myself and our team is doing what gives them energy. So what gives me energy is creating, sharing, and growing. So literally, I started my day. I did my idea session. Then I literally had an OTT meeting with our creative team. Then I had a script meeting with our director of entertainment. You know, Then I'll go into, I have calls for 2024 sta- uh, stadiums we're going to play at. Fortunately, we're talking to a lot of major league teams right now. Uh, I have international calls. Uh, I do a lot of that. We do have some TV potential deals we're working on. I do those calls. And then I'm out here in rehearsals. So daily, you know, even our guys right now are working on things. I'll get with our hitters and talk about entrances and talk about tricks they can work on and give them encouragement to keep trying new things. So I spend a lot of time out there. And then on game nights, as soon as our fans start showing up, we have a VIB, very important banana, the group that comes in 150 people, <laughs> spend time with them. Then uh, I'll, I'll give some speeches. I'll talk to the group. And then uh, literally it's putting on a show, dancing, singing until the end of the night then when our whole entire team our whole entire cast is out greeting the fans dancing more singing more photos more autographs so that's done about 9 30 10 get with our creative team discuss our outputs what are all the social that's going out get with them and then uh reboot next morning and rock and roll do you it's a pretty boring day <laughs> it's a very 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 full day but i do have to ask do you start your day by eating a banana because it's a great source of potassium I, I, I never had a true story. I never ate a banana. I probably when I was like a baby, but I don't remember it. I never had a banana until we became the bananas. And our for opening night, the news station, we showed up to the ballpark. It was 545 in the morning. I was like, we got a lot of work to do. I show up with my wife and the news stations, two of them were outside filming because it's our first night as a franchise, the Savannah Bananas. And my first interview, she hands me a banana and she goes, this is going to be a lucky banana. You're going to have a bite. I'm like, yes, I am. And I had it in <laughs> first somehow. time. And somehow we got through the night. So yes, true story. I actually have a banana every morning uh, with a cereal before I start the day. So yes. Are you a fan of chocolate covered bananas? I I, I get them. I, I mean, I get it. I understand it. Um, I try to keep it a little simplistic. I'm a big sweet guy, but like sometimes throwing the sweet with the fruit, like, no, I'll have some fruit, but then give me like full fledged sweet. Let's do, you know, brownie ice cream, pecan pie ice cream. Let's go. Let's, let's go big here. What about concessions at the stadium? I mean, again, like fan experience, how important is it to make, you know, the ticket affordable and make the concessions affordable for everybody? Yeah, again, putting yourself in the customer's shoes. So my wife and I, Emily, we went on some cruises and we're like, wait, all your food's included and all your entertainment? Why don't ballparks do that? And so when we came to Savannah, we decided that we were going to make the first ever ticket include all your burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, and dessert all night long. Not for an hour. Not in a little section, every ticket, all your food, all your everything. Wow. And no ticket fees, no convenient fees, and we pay your taxes. So now, now the price, it's $25 in Savannah. And that's you can eat six burgers, seven hot dogs, sodas all night, water all night. And uh, that's part of our experience. Now, do we have premium like liquor and beer and ice cream and nachos and fries? We have all your supplement premium yeah. items. You can buy those. But every, we believe every fan, when they come to Savannah, all their ballpark favorites should be included in the ticket. And that's how we've built our model here. Yeah. Have you, I want to just quickly go back to the social media aspect of things. I've always wondered how much of an uptick have you seen since the TikTok blew up and the Instagram blew up? Like, is it just oh, exploded ticket prices like astronomically? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, our wait list is growing 3000 people every single day. So our wait list is over 550,000 people all over the country that can't get tickets. So those tickets are unavailable. So it's 550,000. We expect by the end of tour to be over a million people on the wait list that can't get tickets. Our tickets have stayed 25 bucks. They'll probably go to 30 next year. Um, but 
well, unfortunately, on the secondary market, the average price is over $300 now. So people are paying 10 times, 12 times, 15 times face value, and people are buying it, which gives me even more of an incentive and a responsibility to deliver an experience that's worth that. So we're going to work on how to get them off the market. But, you know, I, I publicly turned down a million dollar offer from a big ticket broker who offered to buy a huge group of tickets for every single night at double the price. It would have netted us $500,000 in profit. And I wrote back no immediately and uh, turned them down because that's not who we are. That's not what we're about. I don't care about the money. Short game. Yeah. That's That'd be a short game move. I mean, completely against everything you just said. 100%. So, so I turned that down. But yeah, I mean, it's we have to be strategic. There's there's something to to realize that obviously on the road, our tickets don't include food. We can't do that because all the other ballparks, they can't. Learning how to serve all you can eat to thousands of fans took us six, seven years to actually really learn. Now yeah. in our ballpark, every night, everyone can get fed within five minutes at any point during the night, anywhere. That took years. So if we go to a stadium with 12,000, 15,000 people and say, hey, you got to do all inclusive, it just won't work. So they, they do all their prices and stuff and we do our thing, but we make sure the ticket experience is worth it. Would you consider expanding your current stadium or, or would you want to maybe move to another venue? Yeah, we need to. And it's, uh, there's a lot of talk, obviously we're, we're at a challenge. It's a 1926 ballpark in a, uh, you know, a, a dense area. And so there's not a ton of space, but yeah, we need to, we need to at least double our stadium. I don't, I don't think there's a ballpark in the world that's actually expanding their capacity, but we need to. And so <laughs> we'll look to do that. Yeah, I mean, also like you can honestly move to Oakland and just start uh, filling seats there. I mean, I mean, you would do again not to rag on the athletics too much here. You would absolutely smoke their attendance records, um, but you can't like you know a couple more for you. Just how impact, how big of an impact do you feel in the city of you guys? Like, because again, like you, you have to stay. So like, in my mind, the only way is to just grow the current stadium and like make their current like kind of like what Wrigley did. Yeah, it, it's 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 a combination. So you know, we have we have our, our community here in Savannah, and then we have everything on the road. You know, we're going to 32 additional cities. Yeah. You know, from California to Texas to Arizona, Phoenix, and so we're going all over. And so when we work at like next year major league stadiums, you know, we can do five major league parks and play in front of 200,000 people in five nights. So that we will we will, you know, offset that with the games in Savannah and then expand Savannah. But um, but to answer what you said earlier, the question earlier about the social media has been huge for us. You know, a year ago, we only had about 900,000 followers. Now we have almost 7 million between all of our platforms, you know, more, more on YouTube than any major league team. And that's our lowest. We only have 230,000 or whatever on YouTube, but that's more than any major league team. And then on TikTok, yeah, we have 4 million more than any major league team. So that's driving our fans. We don't try to sell them. We just show the entertainment. We show the things we do. And fortunately, that makes fans want to be a part of it and buy merchandise and come out to our games. Yeah, I mean, I know for I can speak for myself that I will be buying a pair of underwear, you know, within the half hour that we hang up of this Dolce call. Dolce and banana. <laughs> uh, I, I hope we still. I hope we still have them online. I got to make sure they're still online. I know we have the ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, look, I'll I'll go on the I'll go on the off market. I may not be able to get a ticket on the off market, but I'll go on the off market, used or unused, to get a pair of the Dolce uh, banana underwear. Um, <laughs> Jesse, we ask all our guests this. And I feel like yours is going to be wildly entertaining. Not to put pressure on you, but what is your favorite sports memory ever? You playing, you watching with the bananas, without the bananas, all time favorite sports memory. You know, that's really tough. I, I don't I don't think back to that. You know, I was a kid who got to be bat boy for the Red Sox when I was five years old. Wow. And I sat in the dugout with Lee Smith and Roger Clemens. Oh my uh, God. When I was 20, I got to pitch at Fenway in an all-star game. It's the best velocity I ever had in my life, the adrenaline pitching. <laughs> on that um, you know, I, I've had three home runs in a game. You know, I've pitched no hitters. I've had some really cool moments from a baseball standpoint. But, but 
that that pales in comparison to this. Um, you know, I at the end of Banana Land episode five of the ESPN docu series, we were playing the Kansas City Monarchs, and they got me at the right moment. And, you know, they pulled me aside and after the game and, you know, we got beat by them the night before and we were trying to prove could banana ball work against a professional team. And they had major leaguers, Matt Adams, Pete Kuzma, they had all these major leaguers on their team. And we came back and won when a walk off that last night and the fans didn't want to leave and they stayed for hours after the game. And finally, I'm, I'm up there and my dad was there and I'm an only child and my parents got divorced when I was a kid. And uh, they said, they, would you, uh, would your dad be proud right now or something along those lines? Is your dad proud right now? And I broke down, you know, as a kid trying to still trying to make my dad proud to see hundreds of people that it affected from our internal team. You know, we traveled with 125, 150 people and all these players that either lost their opportunity to play professional baseball and then out were that were on an ESPN and playing in front of thousands of fans. And here are guys saying it's a dream come true for them. They never imagined that. And to see that this life that we built for so many people, it's so much bigger than me pitching at Fenway or me being a bat boy. It's affecting so many people. You know, yes, millions of fans, but the 100, 200 plus people that are a part of our team that get to live this life and travel around the country with people looking up them like they're heroes, that's pretty special. So that's, uh, I think that was the moment. And now I, I talk about my dream of, you know, I was a bat boy for the Red Sox. I get to pitch at Fenway. And in 2024, we're going to sell out Fenway Park. And I'm going to take my dad out on the field and say, Dad, look at what we did. That's, that's epic. That's, that's got to be the best answer we've had on the show. In 500-plus episodes that we've that's done good. the show, over 200 guests, it's probably my favorite answer. That's a good one. I love that that's the answer good... includes something that still needs to be done, too. I yes. That's, that's the only one we've heard. We all, It's yeah. the only future favorite sports memory we've heard. Yeah. I will well, say you, you got to keep you got to keep dreaming about what's next. I mean, that, that the things that I think about, you know, from playing games, getting on cruise ships and taking all our family and playing in different countries and doing Japan tours and playing in places that people have never played before. And, you know, aircraft carriers and Central Park and at where the Sandlot was shot back in the day. And, you know, all those dreams of playing places like that, like that's what fires me up. So I think, uh, yeah, my favorite moment, you're right, is, is yet to come. Yeah, I mean, I'm a diehard Sox fan, but we're all Texas guys. I don't know if you can see on Alex's shirt. And it kind of just reminds you of like the McConaughey Oscar speech, like he's chasing himself yeah. in yeah. 10, 10 years, down the, 10 years yeah. down the line. Yeah. Uh, the man in the yellow tuxedo, the king of the Savannah Bananas, the creator. Uh, Jesse Cole, appreciate you joining us. Not even as host as three fans. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. We'll be watching from Los Angeles. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate you guys. A lot of fun. Yeah. Take care, brother.